0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of congenital vertical talus from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Congenital vertical talus is an irreducible dorsal dislocation of the navicular on the talus, producing a rigid flat foot deformity present at birth. Again, congenital vertical talus is an irreducible dorsal dislocation of the navicular on the talus, producing a rigid flat foot deformity present at birth. As far as the epidemiology of congenital vertical talus, this condition is rare and occurs in 1 out of 150,000 births. 50% are associated with neuromuscular disease or chromosomal aberrations, and these include myelomeningocele, arthrogryposis, diastomatomyelia, congenital dislocation of the hip, cerebral palsy, and spinal muscular atrophy. 50% of the cases of congenital vertical talus are bilateral, and the male-to-female ratio is 2 to 1. The pathoanatomy of congenital vertical talus involves rigid foot deformity as well as soft tissue contractures. The rigid foot deformity is secondary to an irreducible dorsolateral navicular dislocation, a vertically oriented talus, and calcaneal eversion with an attenuated spring ligament. Soft tissue contractures are secondary to displacement of the peroneus longus and posterior tibialis tendon, so they function as dorsiflexors rather than plantar flexors. Soft tissue contractures in this condition also involve contracture of the Achilles tendon. As far as genetics of congenital vertical talus, a positive family history is present in up to 20% of patients. Congenital vertical talus involves a Hox D10 gene mutation, which is a transcription factor. The prognosis of congenital vertical talus is poor in untreated cases and is associated with significant disability. The differential diagnosis for congenital vertical talus is an oblique talus, which is an anatomic variant involving talonavicular subluxation that reduces with forced plantar flexion of the foot. Treatment typically consists of observation and shoe inserts. Some require surgical pinning of the talonavicular joint and Achilles lengthening for persistent subluxation. Now let's talk about the presentation of congenital vertical talus. Physical exam may reveal a rigid rocker bottom deformity, a prominent tailor head, gait abnormality, and neurologic deficits. A rigid rocker bottom deformity specifically involves a fixed hindfoot equinovalgus due to the contracture of the Achilles tendon and perineal tendons. It also involves a rigid midfoot dorsiflexion secondary to the dislocated navicular, and the forefoot will be abducted and dorsiflexed due to contractures of the EDL, EHL, and tibialis anterior tendons. A prominent Taylor head can be palpated in the medial plantar arch on exam, and this produces a convex plantar surface. As far as gait abnormality, patients may demonstrate a quote peg leg or a calcaneal gait due to poor push-off power. They will also have limited forefoot contact and excessive heel contact, As far as neurologic deficits, a careful neurologic exam needs to be performed due to frequent association of congenital vertical talus with neuromuscular disorders. As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP oblique and a lateral foot view. Findings on the lateral include a vertically positioned talus and dorsal dislocation of the navicular. This specifically manifests as a line along the long axis of the talus that passes below the first metatarsal cuneiform axis. So before ossification of the navicular at age three, the first metatarsal is used as a proxy for the navicular on radiographic evaluation. Keep in mind that before ossification of the navicular at age three, the first metatarsal is used as a proxy for the navicular on radiographic evaluation. On the AP view, findings include a talocalcaneal angle of greater than 40 degrees. Remember that 20 to 40 degrees is normal. As far as alternative views, you can get a forced plantar flexion lateral radiograph that is diagnostic. This shows persistent dorsal dislocation of the talonavicular joint. Remember that an oblique talus reduces on this view, and that Miri's angle of greater than 20 degrees, and you will also find that Miri's angle is greater than 20 degrees, and that is between the line of the longitudinal axis of the talus and the longitudinal axis of the first metatarsal. Another alternative view can be a forced dorsiflexion lateral, which reveals fixed equinus. Finally, with respect to an MRI, neuroaxial imaging should be performed to rule out neurologic disorders. The differential diagnosis for a congenital vertical talus includes oblique talus, calcaneovalgus foot deformity, posteromedial tibial bowing, tarsal coalition, paralytic pes valgus, and pes plano Remember that an oblique talus reduces with forced plantar flexion and treatment of an oblique talus is observation versus casting. Treatment of a congenital vertical talus can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes serial manipulation and casting. This is indicated preoperatively to stretch the dorsolateral soft tissue structures. Again, serial manipulation and casting as a non-operative treatment for congenital vertical talus is indicated preoperatively to stretch the dorsolateral soft tissue structures. The foot is manipulated into inversion and plantar flexion. Typically, these patients will still require closed versus open pinning of the talonavicular joint with percutaneous Achilles tenotomy. Operative options include surgical release and talonavicular reduction and pinning. Other options include minimally invasive correction, talectomy, or a triple arthrodesis. A surgical release and talonavicular reduction and pinning is indicated in most cases and is performed at 6 to 12 months of age. The technique involves pan-tailor release with concomitant lengthening of the peroneals, Achilles, and toe extensors. The talonavicular joint is reduced and pinned while reconstruction of the plantar calcaneonavicular or spring ligament is performed. Concomitant tibialis anterior transfer. Finally, you will do a concomitant tibialis anterior transfer to the tailor neck. As far as a minimally invasive correction, this is a new technique performed in some centers to avoid complications associated with extensive surgical releases. As far as the technique, principles for casting are similar to the Ponseti technique used for clubfoot. Serial casting is utilized to stretch the contracted dorsal and lateral soft tissue structures and gradually reduce the talonavicular joint. Once reduction is achieved with the cast, closed or open reduction is performed and secured with pin fixation. Percutaneous Achilles tenotomy is required to correct the equinus deformity. Talectomy is indicated in resistant cases, and a triple arthrodesis is used as a salvage procedure. The important complication to keep in mind is a missed vertical talus, as reconstructive options are less predictable after the age of 3, and patients may require a triple arthrodesis as a salvage procedure. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, a nine-month-old boy is referred for evaluation of bilateral rocker bottom feet. A lateral foot radiograph shows a congenital vertical talus and a characteristic dorsal dislocation of the navicular. This diagnosis has a high association with which of the following congenital anomalies? And the choices are one, cleft lip palate, 2. Neuromuscular disease, 3. Congenital heart disease, 4. Deletion on chromosome 22 Q11, and 5. Duplication on chromosome 12. The correct answer to this question is 2. Neuromuscular disease. So congenital vertical talus has a high association with neuromuscular diseases such as myelodysplasia, arthrogryposis, and cerebral palsy. Congenital vertical talus is diagnosed not only with a rigid hind foot, but on a radiograph that exhibits a vertical talus with a dorsal dislocation of the navicular. Merrill et al. reviewed 61 patients or 101 feet with congenital vertical talus and reported 22 out of 61 or 36% of the patients had associated neuromuscular conditions which included myelodysplasia, cerebral palsy, and arthrogryposis. 40 of the 61 patients had bilateral congenital vertical talus, and of the remaining 21 patients, nearly 50%, had a contralateral clubfoot. Moving on to the next question. A 7-month-old infant who had bilateral flat feet on examination that exhibited 40-degree dorsiflexion and 10-degree plantar flexion at the ankles and no subtalar motion has radiographs that exhibit a vertical talus. What is the most appropriate next step in management? And the choices are 1. Urgent surgical correction, 2. Obtain a neurologic workup that includes neural access imaging, 3. Obtain an MRI scan of the foot, and 4. Advise the parents that flat feet are normal in infants and observation is recommended. The correct answer to this question is 2. Obtain a neurologic workup that includes neural access imaging. So vertical tail eye have a high association with neural axis abnormalities and genetic neurologic syndromes, so a neurologic workup is the first step. The radiographs show rigid vertical tail eye that do not reduce in plantar flexion. Although the feet may correct with serial casting and less invasive surgery may be required, this is less likely with rigid feet that do not reduce in plantar flexion. Flexible flat feet are common in infants and toddlers, but vertical tail eye are not. Vertical talus can be differentiated on examination by the lack of plantar flexion, subtalar motion, and a rocker bottom appearance. An MRI scan will not provide additional information. Moving on to the next question, what is the preferred treatment for newly diagnosed irreducible congenital vertical talus in a toddler? And the choices are one, casting followed by open reduction and Achilles lengthening, two, serial poncetti method casting, three, percutaneous Achilles lengthening, 4. tailectomy with tendon interposition, and 5. Subtalar fusion with soft tissue release. The correct answer to this question is 1. Casting followed by open reduction and Achilles lengthening. So the preferred treatment of congenital vertical talus is surgical reduction of the navicular onto the reduced talus with soft tissue releases in either a staged or a one-step procedure. Casting prior to surgery is helpful in stretching the contracted dorsal soft tissues but does not typically reduce the talonavicular joint. Manipulation and casting have been tried as definitive treatment, but most authors now agree that surgical treatment is required. Surgical treatment requires lengthening of the Achilles tendon and sometimes the dorsiflexors as well as sectioning of the midfoot capsules. A subtalar fusion is not performed initially, although it may be required if there is recurrence. Untreated patients develop an awkward gait due to a rocker bottom type foot, a painful rigid foot, as well as calluses under the midfoot. Moving on to the next question. A 10-month-old infant has a deformity of the right foot. Radiographs including simulated weight-bearing AP and lateral views and a maximum plantar flexion lateral view show a congenital vertical talus. Initial management of the foot should consist of, and the choices are one, manipulation and cast application, 2. Basic orthopedic shoes with a scaphoid pad and reinforced medial counter, 3. Open reduction of the talonavicular joint and Achilles tendon lengthening, 4. Lateral column lengthening osteotomy, and 5. Observation. The correct answer to this question is 1. Manipulation and cast application. So the patient in the question stem has a congenital vertical talus, this is confirmed on the maximum plantar flexion lateral view which shows failure of the long axis of the first metatarsal to align with the long axis of the talus. This finding is caused by a fixed dorsal dislocation of the navicular on the head of the talus. The initial treatment should consist of manipulation and serial cast application in an attempt to elongate the contracted dorsal lateral tendons, joint capsules, and skin. Surgery is always required to complete the correction. Traditionally, surgical treatment consisted of lengthening of the dorsolateral tendons, release of the talonavicular joint capsule, and lengthening of the Achilles tendon. Recently, Doms and Associates reported the successful use of manipulation and cast immobilization followed by pinning of the talonavicular joint and percutaneous tenotomy of the Achilles tendon in patients with idiopathic congenital vertical talus. There are no studies documenting the effectiveness of orthoses for the treatment of this condition. Lateral column lengthening may be indicated in older individuals with a symptomatic flexible flat foot, especially those with neurologic conditions. Observation may be indicated in a young child with a painless flexible flat foot. Moving on to the next question. All the following are known to be associated with a congenital vertical talus except, and the choices are 1. Chromosomal deletions, 2. Arthrograposis, 3. Amniotic band syndrome, 4. Hip dysplasia, and 5 spinal muscular atrophy. The correct answer to this question is 3 amniotic band syndrome. So congenital vertical talus has not been shown to have an association with amniotic band syndrome. To quickly review, congenital vertical talus consists of a rigid dorsal dislocation of the navicular on the talus, often seen in association with other congenital abnormalities such as myelomeningocele, arthrogryposis, diastomatomyelia, and congenital dislocation of the hip. Congenital vertical talus has also been reported to occur in the setting of systemic neurologic syndromes such as chromosomal deletions, spinal muscular atrophy, cerebral palsy, and neurofibromatosis. Those cases of congenital vertical talus that occur in isolation have an association with the gene HOXD10. Sullivan et al. reviewed pediatric flatfoot conditions including congenital vertical talus and reported that congenital vertical talus needs to be diagnosed early. Early diagnosis allows for the identification of other associated conditions and to begin planning for treatment. Complication rates are generally high and include loss of motion, recurrent deformity, wound healing problems, or osteonecrosis of the talus. Aruges et al. classified 229 congenital vertical talus patients in the setting of arthrogryposis. They found those in group 2, that is distal arthrogryposis, had milder disease and responded well to surgical correction, while patients with specific syndromes, that is group 3, or severe systemic-slash-neurologic disease in group 4, fared much worse and often did not go on to walk. They concluded that those in groups 2 and 5 should be treated with early surgical correction, while those in groups 3 and 4 should be treated with the goal of a painless foot given the low likelihood of ambulation. Duncan et al. reviewed 10 feet in 7 patients with congenital vertical talus treated surgically. They found that all but one patient were satisfied and had no functional limitations, no avascular necrosis of the talus, and the ability to wear normal shoes. They concluded that the midterm outcomes of surgical correction of congenital vertical talus are satisfactory. Moving on to the next question, which of the following is not characteristic of a congenital vertical talus? and the choices are 1 dislocation of the talonavicular joint 2 associated with posteromedial tibial bowing 3 associated with neural tube defects 4 associated with arthrogryposis and 5 rigid rocker bottom deformity the correct answer to this question is 2 associated with posteromedial tibial bowing so congenital vertical talus is not associated with posteromedial bowing to quickly review once again, congenital vertical talus presents as a fixed rocker bottom foot. The hind foot is in equinus, and the forefoot is in dorsiflexion, producing a fixed midfoot dislocation through the talonavicular joint that does not correct with plantar flexion. Congenital vertical talus is a surgical problem that requires peritalar release to reduce the talonavicular and talocalcaneal articulations. Surgical treatment is required but preoperative casting can stretch the contracted tissues to facilitate surgery. Arthrodesis is not needed to correct deformity as soft tissue release and reduction have been shown to have acceptable results. Drenin presents a level 5 review article. In congenital vertical talus, the talonavicular joint is irreducibly dislocated dorsally. Congenital vertical talus is usually associated with other congenital or neuromuscular abnormalities such as neural tube defects such as myelomeningocele, neuromuscular disorders such as arthrogryposis, malformation syndromes, and chromosomal aberrations. And moving on to the final question, a two-month-old infant is born with a rocker-bottom foot deformity. A radiograph denotes a dorsally dislocated talonavicular joint consistent with congenital vertical talus resulting in a rocker-bottom foot. Why is the initial treatment manipulation and casting? And the choices are one, to help stretch the dorsolateral soft tissue before surgery. Two, the deformity usually corrects with non-operative treatment three, surgery is usually deferred until five years of age, four, surgery is usually deferred until 10 years of age, and five, surgery does not help this condition. The correct answer to this question is one, to help stretch the dorsolateral soft tissue before surgery. So the etiology, inheritance, and incidence of congenital vertical talus are unknown, though a family tendency has been reported. In congenital vertical talus, the hind foot is fixed in an equinovalgus position and the forefoot is abducted and dorsiflexed in the mid-tarsal region. The plantar surface of the foot has a rounded or convex appearance, or a quote rocker bottom foot, and children can develop an awkward gait due to a painful rigid foot and calluses under the midfoot. Lateral radiographs in a neutral and maximally plantar flex position will confirm the diagnosis, showing that in the neutral position, the calcaneus is an equinus, the forefoot is fixed in dorsiflexion, and there is a dorsal talonavicular dislocation. These findings do not correct in the maximally plantar flex position. In the similar oblique talus, the dorsally positioned navicular will reduce in line with the talus. Treatment for the condition should begin as early as possible. Most authors agree that surgical treatment is required for correction of the deformity. Casting before surgery is performed to stretch the soft tissues, improve final surgical correction, and minimize surgical intervention. Historically, a single-stage procedure through an extensile incision was most commonly used. Dobbs et al. described the success with serial manipulation and cast immobilization, followed by talonavicular pin fixation and percutaneous tenotomy of the Achilles tendon, providing excellent results.